0: As mentioned, the text for this morning's sermon is Psalm 136. We've read that already together. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Thanksgiving is fitting for Christians. what god desires from his children listen only to the words of first Thessalonians 5 verse 18 give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you this is the will of god in christ jesus for you so as christians it's fitting that we thank the lord we take time to thank the lord in fact, Scripture says refusing to thank God for His many gifts is one thing that arises out of unbelief. For example, Romans 1 describes this for us. Verse 20 says, God's eternal power and divine nature can be clearly seen in nature. So people can see from creation that there is a God. But verse 21 says, although people knew God from creation, they did not Honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So here we see God created us and he revealed himself to us so that we might honor him as God and so that we might thank him. That's what God desires from us. Well, our text this morning, Psalm 136, shows us how we can fulfill both of these things. How we can properly honor the Lord as God by praising Him, and how we can thank Him for all that He has given us. So it's, it's fitting for us to focus on this psalm on this Thanksgiving weekend. And this psalm calls us to thank God for two main reasons. We're to thank God for who He is and for what He's done for us. Not only that, but in these things, we see again and again that God's steadfast love shines so brightly. Listen only to the first verse of this psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And we hear that refrain again and again. In fact, this psalm declares God's steadfast love no less than 26 times. God's steadfast love is His loyal covenant love. It's His self-giving love for His people. It's His wondrous love that remains forever. And that indeed is a great reason to thank God at thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So I've summarized the sermon as follows, give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks for, and we see three things in this psalm, uh, God's work of creating and sustaining the universe, a second God's work of redemption or salvation, and third God's work in giving us an inheritance. So Psalm 136, it has three main sections, and these three main sections, they They form the basis for the three points of the sermon this morning. And on either side of these three sections, we have an opening and a closing call to give thanks to the Lord. On the first three verses, the introduction, they give three reasons to thank God by focusing on who God is. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks, for He is the God of God's. Give thanks because he is the Lord of lords, or we could say the master of masters on earth. Now, after this introduction, the text focuses on giving thanks for God's wisdom and goodness in creation. Listen to verses 4 to 9. Give thanks to him who alone does great wonders, who by understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth above the waters, who made the great lights, The sun to rule over the day, the moon to rule over the night. You see, God's creation shows God's power, His wisdom, and His goodness. They're on display every day in front of our eyes. And think for a moment just about a fraction of some of the amazing things we can see in nature. From the chameleon, which can change the color of its own skin... To the peacock with its flamboyant feathers, to the human eye with all of its complexity. The beauty and variety within creation is phenomenal. It all speaks to the glory of God and the power of God and the wisdom of God. And the more we study creation, the more astounding it gets. Now I, for one, I'm, I'm fascinated by the science behind the changing of the seasons. You see, in order for the seasons to change properly and to keep the temperature of the Earth at just the right temperature, so many things need to work together. So many things need to come together just right. The Earth needs the right amount of surface water. The Earth needs to be the right distance from the Sun. The tilt of the earth's axis needs to be just right in relation to the sun. And the orbit of the earth around the sun needs to be the right amount of time. All these things need to work together in order to keep the earth at the right temperature, in order to keep the changing of the seasons properly. keeps the earth from getting too hot or too cold. And if these variables were changed too much, then life would be destroyed, For example, the summer solstice, or the longest day of the year, happens June 21st in the northern hemisphere. And from there, the position of the sun in the sky retreats southward. You see, this timing of the solstice keeps the hemispheres at the right temperature. If the summer or the winter solstice did not happen at the right time, probably even a week later... The temperature extremes on earth would be too great for life to exist. But God keeps everything in a wonderful balance so that we can live and enjoy life. We can see by studying this how precarious life is in itself, how dependent we are on God and His marvelous wisdom in creation. Life will suffer if even a few small variables go wrong. And yet God ensures that that life continues to flourish here on earth ever since he created it. Even after after the fall into sin when God cursed the world. It's a testimony to the truth of verse 5. God has with understanding or wisdom made the heavens. The way He has made the earth and the sun gives us things like springtime, planting season, the growing season, and harvest. And What a reason to honor the Lord and to give thanks to Him. You see, it's by His power, it's by His wisdom, by His goodness that you eat and drink food. Or eat food and drink water here on earth. And as far as I know, everyone here is able to eat every day. Well, it's true, I don't know your personal financial situation. Maybe for some of you, there's very deep financial struggles. But as far as I'm aware, God has given us all food and drink. It says, Paul and Barnabas told the people of Lystra in Acts 14, God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Give thanks to God for His gifts every day. It comes from His hand. Now, all that being said, at this point, some of you might be thinking, well, that's nice for you to say, but things have not have not gone perfect here in Manitoba this year, this growing season. Some farmers have done okay, but others still have crops out in the field. The record amounts of September rainfall have made harvest impossible for some. And that's not to mention even the the huge wallop of snow we received this past week, some of them might not get their crops off the fields at all. <clears throat> and you know what? That's true. It's true that harvest has not been great for some. It's true that some of us really struggle to meet, make ends meet. I don't deny that. And yet we still have so much to be thankful for. You know, some people wonder why God, they wonder, why doesn't God just shower everyone on earth with lots of riches? We should really turn that question around. We should really wonder, why doesn't God subject everyone on earth to the worst poverty? We all rebelled against Him, the King. Why should we expect good things from His hands? when we've sinned against Him and rebelled against Him, the source of everything good. It's actually astonishing that He provides so much for people who have rebelled against Him. That's especially true when people take God's gifts and they use them for sinful purposes. Yet God continues to show His goodness by giving good gifts. He's given us so much. What a reason to thank God for what He's provided us. We don't deserve anything from His hand. He showers us with so many good things. And this too shows His faithfulness. It shows His steadfast love. Remember what happened in the book of Genesis. You know, after Adam and Eve, humans began multiplying on the earth And the sinfulness of of humans also increased. And God was so grieved that He made humans that He was determined to destroy them. So great was the wickedness on the earth. And so then He sent the flood to cover the entire face of the earth. But then, after the flood subsided, what did God do? He made a promise. And he said, Never will I again strike down every living creature as I have done, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God has been faithful to his promise, despite hard years that we might have to endure. He's been faithful. We can be sure He will continue to be faithful to that promise. His steadfast love and faithfulness endures forever. He will continue to give the changing of the seasons. He will continue to give us times of planting and harvest. Let us remember that. Let's give Him praise for this. Let us thank Him for this. takes us to our next point. Now, verse 10 begins a new section in the psalm moves from giving thanks to god for his power and wisdom and creation to giving thanks for his work of salvation now as you can see in this psalm this this section specifically highlights israel's redemption from slavery in egypt from the book of exodus in the old testament and this too is a sign of god's steadfast love he had promised To deliver Israel. And he did it. See, Israel was there. Slaves in Egypt, they cried out because of their bitter slavery. Their cries came up to God and he heard them. You know, while they were slaves in Egypt, while they were facing that bitter hardship, that bitter slavery, at times they might have wondered, does God really care about us? Does He really care for us? Look at what we're going through every day. And they had to wait so long for God to act. But He did care. He had set His steadfast love upon them. And in their slavery and in their pain, He was looking down with them with compassion, even though He made them wait And then finally he came to rescue them. What a reason for Israel to praise the Lord and to continue to thank God for this salvation. Now, of course, it makes perfect sense for Israel to give thanks to God for this. If God did not rescue them, they might still be subject to that same miserable life. But what about us? What can we give thanks for here with with this section of this psalm. How does this section of the psalm relate to your Thanksgiving dinner tonight or maybe tomorrow night? Well, the first thing we should see is that we can give thanks to God for this act of redemption for the people of Israel. You see, what God did for Israel in Exodus is not isolated from us here, sitting here today in 2019. God was not only thinking about saving Israel... Egypt. He was also thinking about the salvation of all believers. See, by this act of redemption, God was saving a people for himself, and his intention was not simply to save only Israel from their slavery in Egypt. He was continuing, continuing to work out his great plan of salvation, also for us sitting here today. And that's because from the people of Israel, the Lord was working towards sending His Son into this world. You see, Christ Himself, the Son of God, was born from the people of Israel. He was a flesh and blood Israelite from this people. And what Christ did to save us is also pictured by God's salvation to Israel and Egypt. Verse 10, give thanks to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. This, of course, refers to the night of the Passover when God saved Israel from their slavery. Now, why were the firstborns of the Israelites not struck down? It's because they put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorposts of their houses. And this is essentially what God has done for us in Christ. Amazingly, Jesus Christ is God's firstborn Son. And just as God killed the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, so God struck down His own firstborn Son. And God struck down His own firstborn Son, Jesus Christ, so that Christ might be our Passover Lamb. The Son of God died in our place. Instead of bringing His judgment down upon us for our sins, He brought His judgment down upon His own Son so that we would not bear it. That's how God has saved us from His wrath against sin. Verses 10 and 11 state how God brought Israel out from among the Egyptians with a strong strong hand and an outstretched arm what's being emphasized here is that the Lord rescued Israel from someone too strong for them. The Israelites could not free themselves from slavery to Pharaoh. They were helpless. Their only hope was that God would come to them and free them. And God did it by His own power without their help. And this too is similar to our salvation in Christ. We were slaves to sin and the devil and we were powerless to free ourselves from it. Our only hope is if God came to us to free us from sin. And that's one reason why we confess what we do in the canons of Dort. We confess the total inability of humans to save themselves. God must come to, to people. He must save them. He alone. And He saves us without our help. That's what He's done in Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's death on the cross, we're set free from slavery to sin and the devil. And the Holy Spirit applies the saving work of Christ to us personally as He calls us to believe, as He calls us to faith. And now as believers, we can serve God again. We can obey God more and more. It's God's power for our salvation, and what a reason to thank God Look at this world. So many people are in slavery to sin and they are not set free. They go on in unbelief without repenting. And it's a bitter slavery that ends in eternal death. And that's what could have happened to us But things have changed for you who believe God has come to you. By His pure mercy, He has set you free so that you can serve Him. Have you thanked God for salvation? It's His mercy and His grace to you. And so many do not have this gift in this world. Have you thanked God for salvation? Truly He deserves all thanks and praise for rescuing us. That's not all. Verses 13 to 15, it describes how God saved Israel through the Red Sea but drowned Pharaoh and his army. Now think about that. God taking His people through the Red Sea, dividing the water so that they could walk through the midst of the sea on dry ground. It was the most unexpected path. No one could foresee this, that this would be the path of deliverance. No, when when Pharaoh and his army came charging out against Israel, Israel thought, there's no way to go. We're, We're trapped. There is no way to go. But then God led them through that unexpected path through the Red Sea to freedom and salvation. And he's done a similar thing for us. He has led us through a most unexpected path to freedom and salvation. He has led us through death. Yes, through death. Let me explain. It's astonishing. You would think that this would be the last way to be saved. Death was God's punishment upon sin. How could that be the path to salvation? Well, that was the path of salvation because God led us through death in the death of Jesus Christ. See, believers have been united to Christ in His death. He led us through death in the death of Christ, a most unexpected path to salvation. We've passed through death in Christ Jesus, believers have. See, by Christ's obedience, He not only led us into death, but also to the other side, the side of the resurrection. And that's a place the devil and our sinful nature cannot come, to the place of the resurrection where believers have been brought by Jesus Christ. And that's how God has set us free from the devil and our sinful nature. It's how He's given us eternal life. In Christ. What a reason to thank and praise God on this day and every day. Because of that, we can truly proclaim the steadfast love of the Lord is it endures forever. It endures forever in Christ. God has separated us from the devil's power. That means that now nothing shall separate us from God's power, from Christ's power, from God's love. We can say in the words of Romans 8, "...I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord." Give thanks to God for this. Beloved, it is true in Jesus Christ. Brings us to our next point. <clears throat> so This brings us to the last section of the psalm. <clears throat> Excuse me. This part focuses on how God brought Israel to the land of Canaan <clears throat> after their deliverance from Egypt. <clears throat> me. And how he struck down the wicked king's living there, and then he gave their land as an inheritance to Israel. And of course, subsequent generations, they enjoyed the land as their heritage. It was passed down to them through the generations. Now, notice how this section of the psalm focuses on the kings of Canaan. There it says, Give thanks to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon king of the Amorites and Og king of Bashan. See, God is the Lord of Lords again showed his power by defeating these mighty kings so that Israel could go into the into the land. And it also shows his steadfast love. You see, long ago, before this happened, the Lord promised the land of Canaan to Abraham's descendants. And it took a long time for the promise to be fulfilled. Took a long time, hundreds of years before the promise was fulfilled. And this long wait would test the faith of God's people, would test the faith of God's people. Would they keep believing the promise even though they had to wait? Would they keep trusting the power of God to give them the land? even though these mighty kings stood in their way? Well, there were some in the covenant people of God who did not, who did not trust, who did not believe. In Numbers 14, Israel came to the edge of the promised land. Spies from each tribe went in to inspect the land. and Many of them came back with a discouraging report. And they, they said to the people, no, the... They thought that the people of the land, they're, they're too strong for us. You know, look at these cities with their walls. Look at these people, they're so big. They're too strong. And many of the Israelites, they wanted to choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Shocking. Now, it's true that those Israelites were not able to enter the promised land. But it's not because kings like Sihon and Og were too powerful for them. They were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Refusal to trust the promises and power of the Lord. But, by God's grace, there were others who did believe they trusted God's promise. They trusted it in God's power to defeat those kings. And they entered the land. And God showed His steadfast love to those who believed. Those who believed entered the land. They enjoyed God's steadfast love in the land. And this can encourage us. Israel entered the promised land by faith in the promise. And by faith in God's power, they overcome, overcame those powerful kings. And it's a picture of us entering into God's eternal rest, the eternal promised land. Now, there is a, a powerful king that must be defeated by God for us to enter into that eternal rest. That powerful king is death. And death Seems like an unbeatable enemy. See, death right now is said to reign over the earth, over those who do not have a Savior. In fact, Romans 5 uses that language. It says that through Adam's sin, death reigns over people by nature. Keeps them from eternal life. And Adam's sin brought in the rule of death to every person because all have sinned. And yet, we have a powerful God. We have a powerful Savior. More powerful than death, than the saving work of Jesus Christ is stronger than death. Death is not too strong a king to keep us from taking possession of eternal life. Christ conquered it for us, He conquered it, He's removed its sting. So do not be afraid of that enemy. Trust in the power of the Lord. You can face something like death through the conquering work of Jesus Christ. In Him we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And what a reason. What a reason to thank God, to praise Him for His steadfast love today and every day. Because Christ defeated death, it really, His steadfast love really does endure forever. We have eternal life in Him. It's Thanksgiving, I encourage you to remember these gifts of God. They are gifts. And what God wants from us is thankfulness. Psalm 136 is probably originally composed by the Levites who served at the temple. First Chronicles 16 tells us, David appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. This is one example of their work. Now, we don't really know how often they sang this psalm at the temple. But I can assure you, it was sung more than once a year. And that is fitting. God's gifts are there every day. So I encourage you to remember the steadfast love of the Lord, not only today, but every day. As you remember those great gifts, let it drive you to thank and praise your Savior forever. Amen.